<laughs> Preach. Yeah, man. Bring it. Y'all have a good day? <laughs> you know, the, the song that we, they were just singing, uh, there have been revivals uh, throughout history. And I, I know that a lot of you know that, a lot of you have read about that. Uh, very few of us have ever experienced a genuine move of God. But there is one characteristic of a revival that you'll find in every single one of them. And you know what that is? It was always born out of prayer. And in the 21st century, y'all, if there's anything that we, we need help with, I think it would be that, that praying thing. Hello? Okay, well, maybe you guys got this thing down. But uh, that's uh, really what we're, what we're talking about this week. And uh, I know that's not a, a real pizzazzy subject for camp, but I, I really do believe that this is a group of people, as we just sang, man, we want revival to come. And, and this is the way that, that it will come, not necessarily through uh, what I'm actually sharing with you, but however God wants to do it, it's going to happen, though, when God's people determine to pray. All right, now grab your notes and... Uh, Let's get started tonight. Now, last night, uh, we, we looked at a lot of historical stuff about the tabernacle and a lot of doctrinal stuff about the tabernacle. And, and one of the things that we, we zeroed in on was that that tabernacle was God communicating to the children of Israel about the relationship that he wanted to have with them. Sometimes you'll find in the scripture that when God talks about the tabernacle, he'll use a different term for it. He calls it sometimes the tent of meeting because this was the place where God was wanting to meet with his people. But as we looked at that Old Testament tabernacle in the wilderness, I think... Uh, I mean, if, if we're just going to be honest about it, man, there was a lot of ceremonialism attached to that thing. There was a, there was a lot of ritualism, if you will, that was involved in it. There was, uh, I, I mean, if I dare be so bold to say, there was a lot of hassle to it. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, this it's... <laughs> And I think that's important for us because we don't have the hassle of this thing. And of course, the reason that it was a hassle for them was because it was all picturing the wonderful, beautiful relationship that Christ would ultimately have with the church. And where we ended last night was talking about what it might look like in our lives if we took the features of the tabernacle, if we took the furnishings of the tabernacle, again, which were all pictures of Christ, and what would it look like if we went back to the tabernacle to use those pictures to guide us into a deeper relationship with God in prayer 
as we meet with him on a daily basis. And, and that's what I'm driving at th this year. For us to have a significant meeting time with the God who desires to meet with us. And again, you don't have to do it using the tabernacle as the template. But it does afford us the opportunity to be able to talk about all of the significance of our relationship that was pictured for us in the tabernacle. Okay, so with that being said, now let, let's, let's try to get there. Okay, what we're talking about when we were talking about that tabernacle, that tabernacle represented the presence of God. And so what we're talking about is on a daily basis coming into the presence of the Lord and using the tabernacle as the way to guide us into his presence. And, and the first thing that we come to when we come to the tabernacle is we come to the gate which provides the entrance into the court. And it looked like that, close to that. Obviously, we weren't there, and that's not a real picture, y'all. That's a replica. But biblically, we learn in terms of our, our praying is that this will be the place of thanksgiving and the place of praising the Lord. Because what we begin to find as we look at the biblical teaching about this, we learn about this thing of coming into God's presence and, and comparing Scripture with Scripture. What we find, y'all, is that first and foremost, we are not coming into God's presence to petition Him. Now listen, praise the Lord. He allows us to do that. And He wants us to do that. And there is a place for that. And I'm talking about a literal place in the temple just for that purpose. We're going to get there tomorrow night, okay? So I'm not saying we're wrong, but I think what has happened to us in the 21st century is prayer is really just a list of our petitions to God. Everything that he wants, everything we want him to do. But when you begin to look at this thing in the scripture, what we find is that God intends for our praise to reflect an attitude of gratitude as we express that attitude through our thanksgiving. And we learn that from the psalmist in Psalm 100, where I may be wrong on this, but it would appear that the psalmist was seeking to use the tabernacle as a template for his prayers because would you listen to what he said in Psalm 100 and verse 4? And would you listen, this is a familiar verse, would you listen to it with a freshness? And would you listen to it with the tabernacle in mind? The psalmist admonishes us, enter into his gates, hello, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts, with praise. Is there anybody here that thinks that's just random terminology? 
This is, we're talking about how we come into his gates, how we come into his courts, how we come into his, his presence. And I think it's, it's obvious that there's something about this thing of using the tabernacle to guide our prayers. But one of the things that we learn, y'all, is that it starts with thanksgiving. And it starts with praise. You know, back in the, the middle of the 20th century, okay, the mid-1900s, there was a, a guy that was really keen. His, his name was A.W. Tozer. Man, the dude had a lot of great insight. And one of the things that he said is that worship is the missing jewel in evangelicalism. You younger people, you obviously wouldn't have understood the mid-1900s, but boy, I'm telling you, when I got saved and did the whole church thing, worship, I, I don't know that I heard the word. We sang, but I'm not so sure that I ever heard the word worship. And I do believe that we could just as rightly add in the 21st century. Now, I think what, what Tozer said is, man, I think every part of that needs to be said today. But I think we could add to what he said by saying this, that thanksgiving is the missing jewel of our worship. Because I'm telling you, and I love coming to camp. I love the songs that we sing, and I love coming to all of the living faith churches, man, because when we get together, we do want to worship the Lord. And I will tell you that we can sing us some pretty lofty words in our songs because we sing about you know, that God is our everything and that we'd be nothing without him and we'd have nothing and how we couldn't go on with, without him. And I'm not trying to guilt trip us, but y'all, I just wonder with all of those lofty words that we sing to him, I wonder how much time in a week, first and foremost, that we actually spend in prayer but of the time that we do spend in prayer, I wonder how much of it is actually us expressing to God our thanks. Could I just ask you to just reflect on that for just a second in your own praying in the last six months? Would you say that a good portion of your prayers is just expressing thanks to the Lord, God said to Israel in, in Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6, and I'll just paraphrase it, but he, he begins by, by you know, making two brief statements. What, what he says is, hey, a son honors his father, and a servant honors his master. But then he faces them with this, and he says, now, now listen, if I'm your father, then where's my honor? And if I'm your master, then why don't you fear me? And again, in light of what he said to them, I'm pretty convinced that God would want to say that to us 21st century folks, but I also wonder if he wouldn't want to add, and if I'm your God and if I'm your provider, where is my thanks? 
And, and I want you to understand something. It's not like God didn't make a concerted effort to communicate to us just how important an attitude of gratitude expressed to him in thanksgiving actually is to him. And when he does tell us about that, he does it with some major intensity. I mean, here's Paul. He's coming to the end of his first letter in 1 Thessalonians, and he clears off a little space for a little one-liner. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and he says this, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, I know that there's a lot of spiritually and biblically astute people in this room tonight, and I respect that and applaud it, but... Could I very humbly and lovingly ask all of us, based on 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, I want you to consider the fact that if we are not expressing an attitude of gratitude in thanksgiving to the Lord, I don't know any other way to say it. We're out of the will of God, y'all. We're out of the will of God, regardless of how much we know. I, I, I know 1 Thessalonians 5.18. I know it's just this single sentence that doesn't get a lot of embellishment and all of that. But boy... That little one-liner packs a big wallop, especially for those of us that are these fast-paced 21st century folks. Because we, we got to get to the issue of prayer. we got to get to our list. And so the first thing concerning our thanks is God reveals to us that it is his will but then God reveals to us another powerful truth about the significance of thanksgiving to him. In Psalm 69, verse 30 and 31, where the psalmist says, I'll praise the name of God with a song and I'll praise him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord. And what God reveals to us in these verses is that thanksgiving pleases him. And I'm not going to expound on this because Pastor George in the morning sessions is talking about the things that the Bible reveals that please the Lord. But let me just say this. There's a lot of times in our journey, y'all, when we wonder, man, am I doing God's will? Am I really pleasing the Lord? And I'll give you a man that can sometimes be ambiguous, it can be pretty doggone nebulous, but I want you to understand, when we're expressing the gratitude of our heart in thanksgiving to the Lord, listen, y'all, we never have to wonder whether or not he's pleased. We never have to wonder whether the heartfelt expression of our thanks is his will. No, he has revealed that to us, and he wanted us to know that this thing of thanksgiving is a, is a pretty big deal to him. 
And then there's another place in the New Testament where God reveals to us just how important this thing of expressing our thanks from a heart of gratitude is to him. And that's Romans chapter 1. I don't know if you've ever seen this. But in Romans chapter 1, as a lot of you know, it's not a politically correct chapter in our culture because what God does in this chapter is he describes for us the downward spiral of men and of nations morally once they communicate to God that they don't want him. And what Paul does in this chapter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is he details for us that once men give up on God, it results in his threefold judgment where he returns the favor and he gives them up. Verse 24 says that God gave them up to inordinate sexuality. Verse 26 says that God gave them up to inordinate homosexuality. And verse 20 says, 28 says that finally God gave them over to a reprobate mind, but to keep it in our little outline, he, we could say that he gave them over to inordinate impropriety, lawlessness. I mean, listen, y'all, this is, whew, that's some powerful language. God giving up on people? God giving them up, God giving them over because of his righteous judgment upon them. If you look at America, I, I think we understand what's going on in our world because I believe we're experiencing the judgment of God because I believe years ago we told God, we don't want you. And God says, okay. And so there was all kind of crazy sexuality that has turned into all kinds of crazy homosexuality, which has turned into all kinds of lawlessness all over the world and all over our nation for sure. And you look at all of that and you say, wow, why in the world would God unleash his judgment upon individuals and nations like that? And of course, in the passage, there's a lot of things that come into play in this thing. But you know why he says he does it? Verse 21 says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. And watch this little ditty that he just throws in for good measure. Neither were thankful. Hey, y'all, I'd say this thankfulness thing is a pretty big deal to God. And I don't want us to get held up on Romans chapter 1, but man, I'm not so sure that we can understand the unbelievable gravity that's connected to our thankfulness to God without seeing where an ungrateful heart actually leads. Listen, y'all, this thing of coming into the presence of the Lord and offering to him our praise out of a thankful heart. This is not just a cutesy little, well, wouldn't it be nice if we did that? 
Isn't that just a, a, a novel little spiritual trinket to, that we can get gushy about at camp? No, y'all. Coming through his gates, coming into his presence with thanksgiving in our heart that gets expressed through our lips isn't just a nice little sentimental option that we can take or leave. It's what our God reveals as his will. It's what he reveals that pleases him. And he reveals that when it's absent, it's something that is worthy of his extreme judgment. Again, I think I would say this thing of thanking the Lord and offering to him our thanksgiving and praise is a pretty important thing to him. But what, is that, what does that look like? In real life. I mean, what, what are we really talking about here? Okay, so just like the priests in, in the Old Testament, okay, so they, they, they made their entrance into the presence of the Lord in the tabernacle. And so we're going to, tomorrow morning, we're going to attempt to make our entrance into the presence of the Lord. And so we come in recognizing as 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says, that as his sons and daughters in the New Testament, that he's made us a royal priesthood. The way that John says it in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6 is, he hath made us kings and priests. Do we not have these verses there? I thought they were there. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6, he hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. And again, that's what a royal priesthood is. But just like that Old Testament priest would make his entrance into the presence of God through the gate that provided entrance into the court of the tabernacle, in prayer, we come into the gate. And like we, like we started talking about a few minutes ago, in Psalm 100 in verse 4, we, we come in and we're entering into his gates with thanksgiving. And we're, we're coming into his courts with praise. And so it, it might sound something like, Lord, man, I desire today to come in to your presence, the presence of the holy God that wants me to be in your presence. And Lord, I thank you first and foremost that you want to meet with me and I come into your gates and I want there to be in my heart as I enter into your courts, I want my thanksgiving and my praise to just flow out of me. Lord, I understand from, from your word that thanksgiving is a major aspect of my relationship with you. And I know that you have taught us in your word that, that you inhabit the praises of your people. And, and Lord, I, I want to come and cause you to inhabit my praises today. And I, I want my lips to give an offering to you, an offering of praise. And so, Lord, I, I, I come today, and above everything else, Lord, I, I thank you for you.
And I praise you for you, for the attributes that you possess, because you are like none other. Lord, the Bible says that you're light, that you are a consuming fire. And Lord, because of that, you are holy and you are justice and judgment and equity. You are wrath. You are vengeance. And Lord, I understand that it has to be that way because you are so supremely holy. But oh Lord, I thank you that you're not just light. I praise you and I thank you that your love and that flowing out of your love is your grace and your mercy, your compassion and tenderheartedness and forgiveness. And Lord, I thank you for that today. I thank you for the relationship that I have with you as my God. And I thank you, Lord, for my family. I thank you for my wife. And I thank you for my kids and, and their spouses. And I, I, I thank you for my grandkids. Lord, I thank you for my church and the people that I get to worship with. I thank you for my, my pastor and that I've got a pastor that preaches the book. And Lord, I praise you and thank you that I've got a job. I've got a way to earn money. And, and Lord, with the way 2020 has gone, I, I thank you for my health. And I thank you for my home that I get to live in. Thank you for the transportation that I have and all of the daily provisions that you afford to me. And you don't have to do it this way, y'all. Okay, it's not important that how we do it. What's important is what? That. We do it. Before we get to what we think prayer is about. Entering into his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. You know, I tease with my grandkids, you know, about, they, you know, they don't like to brush their teeth. And, and I, I, I tell them, hey, only brush the ones you want to keep. And with, with God, only, only thank him for the blessings you still want him to pour out on you. Because do you realize with my cutesy little prayer that if I couldn't thank him for those things, my life would change drastically. Any one of those things that I just mentioned. Bah. 
It's a whole new world, man. And so, again, y'all, the, the whole purpose of this is not to put anybody on a legalistic trip. You got to do it this way. But in your prayers, however you choose to do it, man, come into his presence with thanksgiving. We know it's his will. It pleases him. And we know he gets a little perturbed when we're not thankful. And so we praise him for all of those things. Okay, so that's just coming through the gate. And then we come into the court. And as okay, soon as we, the flaps of the gate flap against themselves and we walk into the court, immediately, y'all, we hear this incredible sound of something that is crackling, the sound of a roaring fire, and immediately the, the heat hits our face and the smoke is burning our eyes. Because we come to the brazen altar. And obviously, this is the place of sacrifice. But as far as prayer is concerned, what I want to show you tonight is that this is actually the place of yielding and presenting. This is the place of yielding. And presenting. And again, no, no sooner have we made our entrance into the presence of the Lord before immediately we're confronted with the sacrifice that made it possible for us to have found access into his presence in the first place. And of course, that was the sacrifice, not of all of those animals in the Old Testament, but the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. The brazen altar is a picture for us in terms of our praying. It's a picture of the cross, the, the, the place of the greatest sacrifice in the history of mankind. And as we approach this place of Christ's suffering and sacrifice, Man, our, our hearts are brought back to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8. That being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. And as soon as we walk into his presence, we're reminded that we were separated from God. That we were at enmity with God. And yet Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20 says that our Lord Jesus Christ made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him. And we're brought back to the reality of Colossians 2.14 that the handwriting of ordinances was against us. What he's talking about here is that big hairy list of crimes that we committed against our God that was so contrary to us. 
and indicted us. And yet it's here that we're reminded that Jesus, through his sacrifice, blotted out everything on that list. He took it all out of the way, this verse says, nailing it to his cross so that now that list of crimes that we had committed against God has written over every single one of them, paid in full. And it's written with the blood of Jesus Christ. And because of that, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18 says that it is through him, Christ, that we have access. <laughs> Don't you love that? By one spirit unto the Father. It's because of Christ. It's because of his sacrifice on the cross that we have been granted access into his very presence. And so we come in prayer to the brazen altar and we allow the Lord to take us back to the cross and to the realities of the cross. And we see him hanging there. And we're reminded of why he's there. And we're reminded that it wasn't simply because of sin. Yes, it was certainly because of sin. But if you're really going to get it, it's much more personal than that. It's much more horrifying than that. Because at the altar of sacrifice, I realize, y'all, that it was my sin that brought him to that cross. And had nobody else on this planet ever sinned against him other than me, everything that I read about in the Gospels that was associated with Christ's suffering would have played out exactly as it is in the Scripture because of my sin. Not yours, not ours, but mine, my sin. And I realize that it was my sin that tied the blindfold over his eyes. And it was my sin that shouted it in mockery and blasphemy against him. Every blow to his face was from the fist of my sin. Every stripe on his back was from the whip of my sin. It was my sin that weaved the thorny vine into a crown of thorns. And it was my sin that took that crown and jabbed it onto his head. And it was my sin that took a hammer in one hand and three nails into another. And it was my sin that placed those nails into his hands and his feet. And it was my sin that lifted that hammer into the air. And it was my sin that provided the force to attach the sinless flesh of the God of the universe to the wood of that cross. It was my sin that dug the hole in the ground into which that cross would be dropped. 
It was my sin that lifted that cross up from the ground and dropped it into the chasm in the earth that was created by my sin. It was the voice of my sin. Even as he was hanging on that cross, it was my voice that continued to blaspheme him. And finally, it was the weight of my sin that caused the holy lamb of God to no longer be able to push himself up, to be able to take another breath. And it was my sin that snuffed out the breath of life from the one who is life. And so at the altar of sacrifice, I'm not just tipping my hat because I have this glorious access to the presence of the almighty God. But I take personal responsibility for the fact that it was my sin that caused him to die. And then I'm brought back to the reality that had I been the only one that needed a Savior, that he would have willingly and willfully and joyfully died just for me. And so seeing the sacrifice of Christ and the personal nature of it, through the reminder of the brazen altar. Listen now. In complete humbleness of mind, in abject poverty of spirit, I, I recognize and I cry out to God, oh God, this is not the place that you deserve to be. This is the place that I deserve to be. And listen now, we're reminded through Christ's sacrifice of the sacrifice that he's called us to make. And all of a sudden, the realities of the brazen altar caused me to hear the voice of our Lord Jesus Christ in Mark chapter 8 and verse 34 saying, Take up your cross and follow me. And I'm brought back to the reality that Christ's cross, represented in the brazen altar, his cross was the instrument of his death that brought me life. And yet, it's here that I understand that he now intends, are you listening? He now intends for that same cross to now be the instrument of my death that brings him life. Because I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 10, reminding me that as I prepare myself for my day today, that I'm to head out of my house 
always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That's my body bearing his dying. Always bearing about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That, the life also of Jesus might be made manifest. And so the brazen altar, the place of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, what happens at the brazen altar as we get our day started is his cross becomes my cross. And his death that gave me life now becomes my death that brings him life. And as his life is manifest, it's manifest not only in me, but through me. And I'm reminded that this is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I die daily. We got to come back to that cross on a daily basis, y'all. This is not a one and done. Yeah, I think I might have said that to the Lord about 40 years ago or something. Paul thought it was significant enough to be something that happened daily. And I'm reminded that this is why he said in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14 that it was through Christ's cross that the world was crucified to him. Paul saw this world, y'all, as a bloody, nasty thing worthy of crucifixion. And because Paul saw the world like that, the world did its best to crucify him. And that's why it was what Paul said in the same verse, that it was this cross that would be the only thing on this planet that he would glory in. And it's why he said in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 that I am crucified with Christ. And I now understand why the Bible says to me in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 that I am to present my body a living, hello, sacrifice. And Romans chapter 6 and verse 13. This is the place where I am to yield my members, the members of my body. I, I, I come and I yield them. His sacrifice reminds me of the sacrifice that I've been called to make. And so it might sound something like this. Oh, Lord, this brazen altar brings my mind back to the fact that you 
were the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And Lord, I am so grateful that you were willing to do that. And I realize it was my sin, and I won't drag you through all of that. But it was my sin that caused all of that. But Lord, I, I am understanding today that at this altar of sacrifice, this is the, the time in my day, this is, this is the place where I'm reminded of the, the fact that you desire for me to be crucified with Christ this is the place where you want me to come and yield my members and present my body. And so, Lord, if you said to yield my members, then, Lord, I present to you today my feet and my legs as they represent my walk. And, Lord, I want to I wanna go today where you want me to go. And Lord, I lay my back and my torso upon the wood of that cross and I extend my arms and my hands to receive the nails that will crucify my work. Because I understand today, Lord, this is not about me working for you, but you working in me and working through me. And so, Lord, I'm, I'm crucified. And Lord, I, I bow my head to receive the crown of thorns as I present to you the member of my neck, which represents my will. And Lord, I bow my will to you today. I, I, I want to do your will, not my will, but thine be done. And Lord, I present my mouth and my ears as they represent my words, the words that you want me to speak and the words that you want me to hear. Lord, may my lips and my ears be crucified today. May I say what you want me to say. May I hear what you want me to hear. And Lord, I present my eyes as they represent my wants. And Lord, today, may they be crucified. I want to want what you want me to want. And Lord, where that crown of thorns is on my head, I, I pray that my brain will be crucified as it represents my way, the whole direction of my life, my dreams, my goals, my aspirations. May they all be crucified to you. And so, Lord, may I go where you want me to go. May I do what you want me to do. May I be who you want me to be and say what you want me to say and hear what you want me to hear and want what you want me to want and think what you want me to think today. And so we come and we yield our members and we present our body a living sacrifice. And as the musicians are, are coming, again, I, I don't know how to, uh, to say this to you, that the last thing that I want to do <laughs> is make you have to 
have little check boxes of everything that you got to do now. I, oh, I didn't say that yet. Okay, hey, y'all, they'll get there okay. Y'all just look at me, okay? It's not about that. However it works for you to yield your members and to present your body a living sacrifice on a daily basis as you meet with God, listen, however that comes out from your heart, do that. And tomorrow morning, uh, in that second session, I'll be continuing to take us further into the, the tabernacle. But right now, with, with our hearts stilled, let's, let's come into the presence of the Lord with singing. Let's, let's praise Him from our hearts. Don't, don't let that get away from you. Let's, let's do that. Why don't you stand?